Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and usually on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept or premise. In this episode, we're talking cloud and APIs. And the question is, is an API enough to make something cloud? Is cloud just a collection of APIs? Before we begin, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hi, I'm Craig Rogers. You can find me online at craigrogers.co.uk or at craigrogersms on Twitter. I'm Lino Talera, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, Lino Talera. Hi, I'm Nico Stein. You can find me online where I blog at nicostein.com and on Twitter at Nico A. Stein. And I'm Brian Knutson. I am online Twitter at B. Knutson, and my blog is knut.net. I'm Karen Lopez. I'm Data Chick on Twitter. Uh, I consider myself on Team Data, but I suspect that the rest of the people on my panel define data differently. And I'm Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. You can find me at S. Foskett on most of the social medias, and uh, you can find me at gestaltit.com as well. So one of the things that uh, occurs to us when we're talking about cloud is uh, this whole uh, cloud operating models and APIs and that sort of thing. I think that... Uh, you know, we like to be snarky and say the cloud is just someone else's computer or the cloud is whatever a marketer wants it to be. But I think we have to agree that, that, that there are certain things that make something cloud or not cloud, right? And one of those things is uh, API, uh, and not just an API generally, but uh, specifically a uh, REST, you know, JSON API that can be used with uh, cloud systems. I mean, it, it can't just be uh, anything we want to call cloud, right? So Craig, I'm going to start with you. Uh, cloud operating model. Tell us, like, how would you define that? What is a cloud operating model? I think the cloud operating model is best defined where you have access to resources that are not yours um, through an API often, more often than not. Uh, some also provide GUIs and command line options, but it, it, it's the, the premise that you, you have an SLA around a service and the underlying infrastructure shouldn't matter. You're trusting the service to be provided. And I think that's the the real clincher and the sealed the deal for a lot of enterprises and companies that have that have went to the cloud. You know, they have faith in the vendor to provide that service. Yeah, I like that as a basic definition of cloud. Um, you know, we used to debate a lot about the cloud operating model and and do they tick all five of the the boxes. I don't hear that conversation a whole lot anymore. It it feels a bit like how uh, the judiciary in the U.S. has defined pornography in a we know it when we see it type of model. So I kind of feel like we've, you know, the basic cloud is is something that just kind of offers services and are easily consumable without having to manage the underlying infrastructure. And that kind of covers, you know, an on-premises cloud as well as a third-party cloud. I think APIs are a core piece of that for making it happen. But I know a lot of customers, a lot of companies that that don't use APIs, that don't operate at that level. They're they're, they need a nice GUI and they want to access it through that GUI and they're off and they're running. And the, the whole automation thing that so many of us really care about and think is important, they want that all hidden from them. They don't want to deal with that. They just want to create a virtual machine, install the application and go. I'd like to throw in that I, I also think that there's a different billing and costing model if, if, I, if I consider something cloud and not just because it's 
owned by someone else and I'm not, uh, and I can pay, do pay as you go or anything. We've had cost accounting, internal cost accounting for years for things like that. But like for me, a big part is I don't have to buy a license. And yes, that's a concept built into services, but that I can install and use and deploy on a time as needed basis, some technologies that always would have required me to buy a license up front and often a much more expensive license. So it's concurrent licensing or network licensing. Um, and I think we tech technical people tend to forget that cloud also brought us new costing and billing and OpEx versus CapEx thinking. And for me, that has been revolutionary just in my own career because there were technologies I wanted to play with and learn, but didn't want to go through the whole getting evaluation software um, and finding some place to deploy it. And I realize that's hitting on a real niche thing, but I think that's what we're going to learn in the long run is what also contributed to cloud adoption. Yeah, I want to pick on, um, not pick on, a follow up on Brian's statement. So I'm working a more smaller to medium sized business. And it is true that a lot of businesses, they do not really care so much automation because they don't have the resources, but the cloud enables them really to just spin up an instance. At the end, the important part is I need an application to be available. And I don't want to deal with the SLAs uptime, my own data center, if I even have one, I really come to the point, I give you money and you make my problem go away. And they don't really care about, can I, connect my power cell and all that. They want the GUI, like you said, I log in, um, my boss says we need to bring up this application and it's done. So I think this cloud model for the small and medium sized business is really prevalent in the market. Um, and it enables them to really run great applications, high SLAs on really small IT staff. I think one of the great things is both touched on there uh, in your points is the, the convenience factor the, the flexibility and the lack of commit that comes from that pay-as-you-go adoption model. You know, if it's something that you you know you're going to need long-term, you can go down the rate of reserved instances, you know, where if you are willing to make those multi-year commits. But the from what you have described there and what I've seen within companies ranging from small to large has been leveraging those, those capabilities there, just in sheer flexibility and lack of commit. It seems like um, all of these things are aspects of uh, cloud-based applications that make them attractive to the enterprise. Uh, I should also point out that all of these things are also things that the enterprise was working on before such a thing as a cloud even existed. I mean, those of us who've been in IT for a long time have worked on, as a service, have worked on uh, you know, flexible pricing, uh, flexible uh, applications that that grow and, and shrink as needed. I mean, we've, heck, APIs go back decades. So what makes this stuff cloudy if it's all stuff that already existed in enterprise technology before? Well, it doesn't, right? So I'm going to put it out there, just an API, right? I mean, this is nothing new, but cloud is not really that new either. But just because an application has an API, that does not mean I can run it in the cloud. You can try. It's definitely a building block of your cloud strategy and having it ab being able to run in the cloud. But just because an application has an API, like you said, it's nothing new. Five, ten years ago, there were APIs around. And that does not ensure I'm going to have the expected result by moving application to the cloud. So it's a building block, but I don't think just API defines a cloud-ready 
or cloudy application at all. Yeah, I agree with you because um, yeah, in terms of application, the final application as a cloud ready application is uh, sounds a little bit different. Uh, I think that uh, yeah, uh, what in the past we have uh, uh, we had a um, single silo application that uh, uh, was really really a challenge to move that in uh, in cloud and. If you compare the cost of uh, keep this application on premise and uh, put this application on the cloud, probably you don't. Uh, yeah, uh, you will file uh, on 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 challenging on the cost. But um, thinking about today, uh, I want uh, I want to say that uh, if you want to go to the cloud with new uh, application, probably uh, you uh, gain some attraction. And obviously, the APIs are the key element to bring that uh, application in um, yeah in in the cloud environment. This is my my point of view, but it's based on the experience uh, on the uh, company working every day. So for sure, the APIs and then the automation is uh, one of the key elements if you want to uh, deal with the uh, cloud native application, of course. Well, one thing where APIs really added value was was sheer scale. You know, you know, if you're working on huge quantities of anything, do, doing it point and click was simply impossible. So APIs gave scale, um, often scale was required for burst capabilities and cloud adoption was further bolstered. You know, it, it, if your normal workload with a website, you know, it was a hundred thousand users, but you went to a million over Christmas, it, it was impossible to, to plan to have 10 times the amount of resource. So that, 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 that added value. Um, but it, it has not always the case. And some people rush into APIs thinking they'll be able to pick it up and run with it, but they're, they're heavy things to pick up and, and do properly, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes enterprises could be better doing it point and click if, if they're familiar with that and it serves the, the purposes and it's the best fit for whatever application or workload they're working with. Yeah, in addition to this, I mean, how many times have we seen the industry improperly implemented APIs left the systems and the service wide open, right? So your system wasn't hacked, you just didn't do the job and someone just used your API that was out in the open with his pants down, so to speak. So yeah, to your point, it's not that easy to implement and use the APIs properly. Yeah, and at the risk of having a hot take here, I would say that, you know, the whole cloud operating model that we've found ourselves in isn't wasn't revolutionary at all it's it's been an evolution of things we've been doing um, i've worked in everything from small to to really large enterprises and you're right a lot of this existed before it's just that um, you know vmware marketed it heavily in a certain way and aws quietly was was building it for themselves and realized that they were solving some problems that other companies had and said, Hey, we can, we can start solving it for them. So let's, let's open up those doors. So, you know, the extreme enterprise again, tends to push, push things forward. They use those APIs. They need that level of scale. Smaller businesses don't, but they can take advantage of them in certain places. In other places they may not, but they may trust other companies to utilize those APIs for them to provide them a service that they need. And there's no lack of examples of that, of companies that have built their entire um, their entire solution off of AWS or Azure or Google Cloud, and then offered their service completely masking what the hyperscaler is doing in the back end through, through their own APIs, through a GUI to, to those customers. 
and APIs have also also been a, a victim of their own success in that we they have been empowered to, to perform so many functions uh, that, that are critical across an organization. I think now that they're coming to highlight as one of the biggest security risks as well. You know, if you're deploying through an API, that same API can pull down all of your production systems. Uh, so the the new the security is a, a really large concern now with API, and I think we're going to see a lot more in that moving forward around securing API access. In addition to this, with the, since we also depend on APIs, so Microsoft's move in Office 365 to move to protected APIs. Therefore, now it's costing money to back up teams. As an example, um, that is a move where you really like, okay, this I don't really have a choice. I mean, yeah, I can just say I don't back it up. And your business needs might be met where the expense is not in relation to what you might back up or gain. But it just really shows you once you're all in, right? And then you'll, we talk about vendor lock a lot, but this is typical vendor lock. So Microsoft, it's all backing up, it's great. And it's like, you know what? We're going to charge you in addition to your existing licensing. Um, there's something that I might feel a bit bitter about for the foreseeable future, but it just shows you the dependencies on APIs, right? We, I don't have, really have a choice. I cannot say, like, okay, we're not using APIs. I'm going to use a screen scraper, for example. So that's something I think will happen more as companies see as another resource of income, additional income, to have your standard APIs. And then, but if you want the good ones, that is per API, API call or whatever the measurement might be. So thank you, Microsoft. But I also think like, okay, so a bit biased with Microsoft, but I'll use your example for Microsoft, is that maybe that's just an evolution time period thing. Like, do we really think uh, the future of email should be and calendaring, uh, I'll just pick on that part of 365, really should be run on-prem, should be, um, you know, a box product that you have to worry about people not never updating, never deploying the security features of, never, you know, doing their own, you know, correct and safer firewall and port configurations. Like maybe this is just something, you know, as we went from gas lamps in our home to light our home and we had to switch to light bulbs where you couldn't, you know, highly configure how bright your light was at that time. Now we've gone the other way with digital light bulbs that we can configure the cover colors and the brightness. Like I see some of these things that where we're in this sort of transition where a service like M365 is solving sort of email and calendaring services for us as an example, because otherwise People still be trying to do email and spam handling and security the old way, which was relying on a script that someone wrote 10 years ago that checked for certain high-level domains or something like that. So my pushback is sometimes we go through these rough times with licensing issues and transitioning to the cloud because we should not remain on-prem in the long run. I would totally agree with this, but the API calls for this is for Office 365 Teams. So this is my, oh, yeah. I'm totally like, don't don't, yeah. don't run it in your own data center, right? Yes, yeah. you should actually get punished for licensing that way. Yeah. Absolutely agree on that. Yeah, okay. I think if you asked any sane human being on the planet, that they, if they wanted to go back to managing Exchange, it, it would be a unanimous no. Uh, the, the mail and calendaring in Office 365 has been 
a godsend. <laughs> it, it really has been, and it has been evolutionary. But I think the likes of Microsoft now with this Teams and the charging on the API, you know, there, there've been so many upper, operational gains in terms of efficiency in and um, FinOps has become such a thing. We're minimizing the cloud bill. It is a thing, you know, and if you do it properly, you could be slashing 33% off your bill. So, you know, cloud providers are having to look at elsewhere to try and make up those losses from operational level gains. And the fact right now that product you're mentioning is technically free to the world and then also included in a enterprise license and everything. So maybe they need to tweak their licensing model a little bit more. They're, they're what, how they charge, not what they charge. For sure. There's nothing cloud for people. So <laughs> just about they, they all talk about slicing their the cloud bill lower, lower. Yeah. Ours just keeps going up because we add more yeah. services. So maybe that's Features. an off topic. <laughs> next next week at Cloudfield Day we have a conversation about this. Yeah. Yeah, so, there's one thing cloud providers love doing, which is tweaking their models. Yeah. Well, I think that um, Office three sixty five and, and so on, I mean, those are great examples of of applications that really want to be in the cloud. And basically, enterprise technologies that want to be in the cloud, and 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 effectively, the thing I think that about I think the thing that strikes me the most about Azure, specifically, and Office uh, 365 generally, is that Microsoft has built a cloud around what enterprises do, instead of a cloud around what cloudy people do, and I think that one of the things that strikes me is that a lot of the sort of uh, I don't know, arguments about is it cloud or isn't it cloud kind of revolve around specific technologies and um, and not around, I guess, you know, more practical use case type things. So, you know, when it comes to the technologies that people are using, I think that we could see that, uh, you know, working, uh, you know, email and things like that and calendaring, you know, that stuff, that stuff, everybody agrees belongs in the cloud. Um but the the product that they're offering is much more tailored to the enterprise. And I think that the thing that I'm seeing increasingly is companies bringing stuff that is basically enterprise data center type stuff or enterprise, you know, into the cloud, you know, whether it's email and scheduling and calendaring or orchestration, billing, networking. I mean, we've talked about storage a heck of a lot. Um, all these things are examples, I think, of, of things that are cloudy because they have an API and they're managed as a service and they scale out, but they're also things that maybe cloud people might not even recognize as being cloudy. And I guess that kind of turns this whole discussion on its head. If the cloud is more than just an API, um, is it time for the cloudy people to recognize that the cloud is more than what they anticipated the cloud being? I guess you're you're making a premise there, Stephen, that they don't. So <laughs> that's my comment on that. Um, when you say cloudy people, do you mean people who build things with clouds? Yeah, I don't know. I think that there's sort of cloud purists out there who say that you know this is cloud and that's not. Like AWS is cloud and and Azure isn't because Windows or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah, that's definitely a part of the conversation. I don't think I see as much as is using. Oh, you're not cloud as a competitive thing. Um, again, I think I think we've gotten past the point of having to define whether example A is a cloud or not, and you know, really move more into that. It's how you operate is the cloud, not necessarily 
what it's doing or even how it's providing it in a lot of ways. I think some of what your premise is flicking at is, you know, the the original use of the cloud being primarily developers and, and doing shadow IT type things and, and trying to develop new applications quickly versus those of us that are traditional infrastructure people using the cloud to run virtual machines and 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 do the things we've done in our data centers now on someone else's computer, if you will. And so I think that is an interesting transition. And to that point, I kind of agree with your premise and the fact that, you know, we all have to look at the cloud a little bit differently than what any of us have done in the past, whether we're developer infrastructure, because cloud provides much more. And if we really want to do right by our businesses, we have to look at it as a new way of doing things and not try to hold on to the past too much. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like I do have an example of being cloud judgy myself right now with a client is that they acquired a a software solution that's cloud-based. They call it, you know, the first or the best cloud solution for this function. And then I go in and it is, it runs on AWS. So they got runs in the cloud. But this software solution has no way to import or export data, no APIs. All interactions are via a GUI that's browser-based. All admin features, all changes to a lot of configurations have to be done by the software vendor's developers, not through a configuration file. Uh, We finally found out that if we did a backup or that they do backups, we have no control of it. A typical cloud answer will manage availability, but um, they will almost always refuse to do a restore. For instance, if we updated a bunch of stuff incorrectly or deleted things incorrectly because they've built this multi-tenant system all in one system. So if they restore us, they have to restore everybody. Now, that's not just complaining about this, but I do not see in any way how this solution is a cloud solution. I think it just happens to be running on a, it's a traditional system running on a VM in AWS, as far as I can tell. They have virtually no cloud features to it at all. So it's just a web server to put in the cloud, but does it satisfy the need, right? It does, yeah. like you said, it does run the cloud. If it was not running the cloud in your data center, it would have exactly the same functions, right? Exactly. Import, export. So is it cloudy? It's a good question. It yeah. checks the mark, but oh. that's about it. Because they could be fibbing to us that it's running on AWS. It could be running on a server under some dude's desk, right? We wouldn't know. I mean, the real thing is, I do not think their solution is a cloud solution right? Because of how they've implemented it. I mean, we can't even scale up or out. So yeah, there's all that. So let's take that then. Like what would make something a cloud, an enterprise service? What would make something into a cloud? Can you tack on an API and call it a cloud? Or does it mean, does it need to have a cloud operating model? Does it need to scale infinitely? Uh, Does it need to run in AWS? I don't know. What what is the, the, the hallmark? I think the scaling really is a, uh, the scaling is a really good point. Does it scale, right? So to Karen's point, the application it runs, it does what's supposed to, but it doesn't scale, and that's one of the benefits we all established. If if that application all of a sudden has thousand users, well, they're gonna try in more instances, but it doesn't scale well. So that would be, I think, a good point to how to define: is it cloudy enough? Does it scale? Yes or no? I don't think Karen's application does not scale, like you said. 
Yeah, and I think that the NIST paper that originally defined what what do we mean by cloud, I mean, that I think was a good start to emphasizing how scalable, like people think scalability sometimes is performance tuning, but no, sometimes it's just blippability. Like on Thanksgiving, can you slow things down? Or if you're a retailer, can you add a hundred times the capacity without having to take the system down and migrate and all that other stuff? Like to me, that's, for me, that's core to what I test cloudiness on. And I think that interoperability, like even I'm getting itchy using this term API, because to me it's so specific, but interoperability and configuration without programming, which is kind of like automation, but it's a specific take on that. That also in my mind contributes to whether I think something is should is justifies, justified in using the cloud buzzword. I, I think you've raised a couple of good points there. Uh, certainly vertical scaling is, is, is easier. Um, horizontal scaling, a lot more difficult. But but even existing three-tier applications could be horizontally scaled if it was a web front end, you know, with relatively very little technology, you know, a couple of load balancers in front. And, and now you have a scalable solution. It might not have the API, but it might serve function and purpose. Uh, but it also raises awareness, I think, around the the understanding of the technicals behind any service that you're getting. You know, so in your example, getting an application, somebody, uh, a company providing a service wrap around it and providing it as a service does not mean it, it's a cloud solution. You know, just because, and certainly not because it's running in AWS. I'm going to go with who cares if it's cloud or not, like. These definitions don't matter to me as a customer because I want it to do a thing. I want it to be available at a certain level. I want my data to not vanish on me. I want to be able to hold my data out of there if I need to at some point. How you do it in the backend doesn't matter. I know I know one vendor out there that if I said the name, everyone would probably recognize it, who their cloud solution is running a bunch of virtual machines on the backend. Essentially the same application you would run on premises they've they've scaled out with virtual machines on a cloud platform so they've got access to the resources that they need but you know they're providing the service that customers need and whether it's running cloud native without you know any sort of infrastructure underneath of it that that we would traditionally use in a data center or they're you know using traditional data center and just providing it with with minimal effort from the customer's side to to worry about the infrastructure does it matter at that point I, I, I would say that it doesn't. And at that point, if, if the customer is not having to manage it, then sure, it's cloud. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to get into the semantic argument over yeah. like, I'm the cloud police and I decide this is cloud and that's not because I'm the one who decides yeah. these things. Yeah. Because I, I think that what you guys are all saying is that there's, um, there's more to it than I guess the sort of paper checkbox elements or even the technology elements. I think what Brian just said is super important. Just because it doesn't use Kubernetes doesn't mean it's not cloud. You know, just because it doesn't run in, in you know, natively in Animas on AWS doesn't mean it's not cloud. Like there's a lot more to it than that. And, and I think what you're saying is basically cloud is as cloud does. So I want to wrap this up and I want to ask you guys just a lightning round here. Each of you, I want you to name one thing that would disqualify an application that would make you say that ain't cloud, even though you're not the cloud police any more than I am. What's one thing that you'll see, uh, whether it's this week at storage or uh, cloud field day, um, 
or next week uh, or the week after in your regular lives? What's one thing you, man, that ain't cloud. Uh, who wants to go first? I go because I'm going to, I'm going to hinge it on scalability. If it does not scale at all, then for me, it's not cloud ready. So from my perspective, if I, as the end user have to manage it from top to bottom, it's not cloud. If I have to see anything involved in the hardware, yeah, something similar probably to Brian, it's not cloud. But anything with a single point of failure of any kind, absolutely not cloud. Okay, I'm going to go super technical. If it doesn't integrate with my identity management system, <laughs> then it hasn't taken a cloud thinking approach to how I deal with identity and security. Yeah, for me, if... Uh... Uh, okay, the API first, but uh, if you don't have uh, some uh, um, yeah intrinsic uh, characteristics like you know scalability, uh, availability, performance, but yeah, the the thing is that the customer don't the, don't don't want to say uh, okay is on is off. They simply use it, and then all uh, is uh, yeah is in charge of uh, yeah the, the, let me say the cloud providers itself. So the customer will be never involved in a cloudy operation behind the chains of the use of the application. This is my, my, my perspective. Well, thank you very much. And I, I have to agree with you. I feel like you know, there's things, there's a time when you say that ain't cloud, and it does come down to basically breaking one of these assumptions that you, that you have with modern applications. And I guess that's the, the key, right, is that uh, it's not so much cloud as it is modern applications versus traditional or legacy applications. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if, if it satisfies the requirements of a, of a modern company and it integrates with their uh, solutions, then it's probably cloud. I guess we'll find out. So before we go, uh, let me just quickly run through. Um, give us your name and uh, tell us where we can continue the conversation with you. And of course, we can continue the conversation uh, this week at Cloud Field Day 14. Uh, just look uh, for CFD14 hashtag on Twitter or go to the Tech Field Day website to learn more. But uh, Karen, uh, you're up first. Where can we continue the conversation with you? You can find me almost everywhere as Data Chick, especially on Twitter, where I'll be tweeting like a mad woman. Brian? And I'm at B. Knutson. Um, again, like Karen, I will probably be tweeting like crazy. So listen and or mute depending on your preference and you can find me at knut.net whenever i decide to blog all right and you can find me also on twitter nico a stein and like the rest of us we're probably going to be tweeting up a storm if you have any questions for tactical day next week just reach out to any of the panelists and we can relay your questions yeah you can find me on uh, twitter uh, at Lino Telera, uh, and then um, yeah, uh, also you have a blog, blog.linoproject.net. You can find uh, some contents after this uh, this conversation. And if you are Italian guy, we have uh, also our uh, Italian podcast, uh, the Pipeline Guys. I'm Craig at Craig Rogers MS on Twitter. Uh, you can also get me on CraigRogers.co.uk, and I'm also on LinkedIn as Craig Rogers. And as I mentioned, I'm at S. Foskett on Twitter, and you can find me at gestaltit.com. So thank you very much for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do subscribe in your favorite podcast application. Maybe give us a rating or review. Uh, and uh, also maybe share it uh, with your friends. Uh, also do tune in for Cloud Field Day this week uh, and every time. Uh, and you can find the recordings of that on uh, YouTube slash Tech Field Day. 
This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.